How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We here we're here to talk about soccer again. Another disappointing match where Orange County fails to secure the full three points, uh, and now we're going to look ahead to see what's going on this week. Hopefully, they can finally turn things around. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. It's a one to Godoy. He's found a great ball in at Voltsen. Plenty of time. He smashes it off and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas in at Voltsen. Now Segbra sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and daring aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. Believe it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how is it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange county soccer club and joining me as he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are things going? They are going great. I'm back home um, in my bedroom. It's nice and comfortable. Uh, there's not a bunch of drums and yelling and sirens. Um, it's it's really nice. So I'm sure everyone's ears are going to be really thankful because I listened to last week's episode. And I'm just, I'm seriously so sorry for everyone that listened to that <laughs> I did not realize it was that loud. I thought I was far enough away. Um, but yeah, now I'm I'm home. I uh, had a really nice long bike ride earlier and I've had a couple of beers since. So it's been a it's been a nice evening. So apparently you were not far enough away to avoid all that noise up in Reno. Yeah, those uh, but... supporters. Who would ever want to support and sing at a soccer game? I don't I don't get it. Who would ever do that? Ooh, yeah. You don't do that, right, Dylan? No, no. Well, hmm. <laughs> Even in my slightly more official capacity now, I uh, definitely made it over there for the second half and definitely still lost my voice. So there you go. CLC for life or whatever. <laughs> also, yeah, also with us, uh, as he's been pretty much throughout this season, we've got Alan. Alan, how's it going? Good, good. I'm also enjoying sitting comfortably in a chair. My wife decided to tackle some Bermuda grass in our front yard, and that has morphed into a days long project of multiple trash cans full of nothing but terrible grass. And I am glad to be enjoying sitting inside talking about soccer, drinking a beer with some uh, good friends. So there you go. Um, So we, we definitely got some stuff to talk about with the match that happened this past weekend. I know Dylan, Alan, you were both at the match. I wasn't able to make it out there, but I did see what happened. And let's just say probably not the most exciting uh, match for the Orange County fans. Uh, and then, hey, we also will take a look forward 
uh, to what's going on this week because we got not one but two matches coming up for Orange County. One of them is a friendly. One of them actually means something. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll just take it where it needs to go from there. Um, where do we start, gentlemen? Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a back seat on this. I'm going to, Alan, you're going to start us off. What are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about how Orange County played a really great game for approximately 86, 87 minutes and how, uh, a couple brain farts and Miss Mark man on a set piece. Like we've heard that one before, I think maybe somewhere in one of the back podcasts and a, um, some defensive breakdowns toward the end really kind of spoiled this. Um, it was one of those games where you couldn't buy a goal. And I, about the 60th minute in the press box, I said, I'm worried. Someone said, why? I said, this has the feeling of a game where it's nil, nil until the very end and a, a dagger loss. Um, I just feel it coming. And unfortunately that's, that's what happened. Uh, there was a lot to be, uh, positive about early on um but yeah it's 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 all my fault um i opened <laughs> my mouth and spoke it into existence because i have that power apparently uh like i said for the first you know two-thirds three-quarters of the game i felt there was a lot of really positive things there was a lot of really good interplay between uh vinicius and seaton uh aiden quinn had some really nice moments um hashimoto looked really good when DJ came on, he was impactful. There was a lot of really exciting things. Uh, and then uh, we just decided we had enough playing. We didn't want to play 90 minutes. We want to play 86. And uh, Portland, who has yet to be shut out this year, kind of took advantage of some, maybe like an injury, put things in a weird position with us defensively. They took advantage of it, like good teams were supposed to do. And they walked out with three points and our hearts were broken. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you're wrapping up there, Alan, we've uh, started showing some of the highlights from this match on the live stream for those you listening to the live stream and not the podcast. Dylan, uh, you were there. Uh, you saw this. You saw what happened. Uh, what do you agree with, Alan, or do you have a different thought on what happened in this match? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of going the same way. Uh, we got robbed really early on. Michael Seaton was a couple steps onside. Got a nice. I mean, I'm talking beautiful. Perfect through ball from Aiden Quinn sets him up one on one with the keeper, and then the AR put his flag up. Um, and one of the guys, I think he actually, I think Alan knows him a little bit more because Alan's always up in the press box, but he works for the USL, I think, doing something with the video. And he pulled it up immediately on his phone, and we got to watch it. I mean, ten seconds after it happened, and saw that he was indeed onside um, by two or three people um they're played on side by two or three people so that was frustrating and then we still played well i thought um i think we played a little bit cautiously of them counterattacking, which was fine by me because we got burned by the speed of phoenix last week um, and we tend to get burned by teams with great speed with two not particularly quick center backs um, so I thought we did a good job of trying to control the midfield and, uh, neutralizing Foster Lingdorf, um, Lingsdorf. And then we just, yeah. Um, I'm sure at some point you'll probably ask about the unmarked man on the corner, but I, 
just as you're talking, the, the highlight show just now. So yeah, uh, there we are. Sure. Um, those of you watching, you can see what Dylan's talking about right there. It's a little bit brief to see who's supposed to be marking Roy Miller, but uh, uh, your guess yeah, is... it looks like Michael Seaton was the one that uh, went up for the challenge, but he was a little bit out of position for that. So the weirdest thing is it's not like really him because you'll have Mike's job is to sit at the front post. Um, I think Quinn and, was right in there also, but in the area. Yeah, so we see Quinn mention to Mike, like, you got to pick this guy up. Um, but I, I don't really want to blame either of those guys. It's a great header, I'll give him that much. Um, but there should realistically be there someone. There should realistically be someone there to stop that header from ever going in. Um, yeah. One of my favorite players who let that mistake happen, so... Life then, goes on. And then that yes. second goal in extra time, questionable if it's offside or not, I guess. And at that point, it doesn't even matter because we clearly didn't have an answer for a goal in the 87th minute. I mean, if you yeah. look around at the players, it's mostly like head and hands, or like bent over, like, well, that was cool. That was 90 minutes of running around for nothing. And Quinn is basically the only one who's he's grabbing the ball at the back of that and he's yelling at everyone. He's like, let's get going. Really, I mean, really trying to make something happen just like he is every single week. Um, but there were some positives. I mean, DJ came back and he actually played pretty well. I mean, it took him a couple minutes to get going. Once he did, it was like he never missed a game. And then, of course, we saw Kevin Coleman make his first appearance in Orange County kit, which didn't end up really getting to do anything because of how the, me the momentum of the last 10 minutes of the match changed. But you know, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy we finally got to see him, and it seems like he, you know, he's not on this team for no reason. Like he's actually good, and uh, we should probably see him a little bit more in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, and, and I guess it's just frustrating because how many matches has it been now at this point of the season where it comes down to like the final minutes of a match, and Orange County blows the blows the lead. It's not like we gave up the header in the twentieth minute and then just couldn't fight back from it. Uh, it, it. There's been quite a few matches now where Orange County gives up a very late goal uh, that ends up being either a equalizer or a game winner for the other team, uh, and it, it, it hurts as it keeps happening through the season. And it's, I, I how do we fix this for the team? I mean. I have to believe the coaching staff is working on marking on set pieces and yet the players are still not marking up the way they probably should be uh, in these matches. Yeah. Um, Alan, if you have something to say, go ahead. But when I was talking, go ahead. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, when I was talking to Braden after the match and quite a ways after the match, um, <laughs> I had to have been almost an hour. Yeah. I think um, just kind of wait in the hallway. He was, Dejected, not even angry at this point, just like visibly sad and miserable. Um, he mentioned that they talked or they worked a lot this week or last week in training about um, playing with passion and playing with pride and defending set pieces, and it just didn't happen. Um, can I just say it was Harry Forrester's fault? I mean, that's who was marking Roy Miller. And that's, I thought that was the funniest thing there was. It kind of seems like he's the one that doesn't particularly care. Like he knew it was his mistake. If you look at him after the game or after the goal, he's just like, Oh, that was fine. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's a guy who doesn't fulfill the marking duty. And then is like 
rarely one to come over and thank the fans for anything. Um, sometimes has to be reminded to thank the fans for being there. So, I mean, I've been really critical of him in the past because um, I didn't think he was playing well. This is one of those games where I actually thought he played really well until the 87th minute and just stopped defending. And I mean, which is, yeah, which is disappointing, especially for how well he defended when they were down to nine men to preserve. Yeah. You know, I mean, game. we've seen like two, three games now where he's like really stepped it up. And I think when he plays in that deeper wide midfielder role, that he's actually been good. His distribution's great. But we saw he pinged so many passes to Vinicius in that first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of them are amazing, defended. amazingly weighted balls. Yeah, he's in, he's incredibly great at doing that. And then it was just he was done. I guess he'd he'd had enough. He'd worked hard enough. It was eighty seven minutes, and I mean, yeah, you take your foot off the gas for sure. Like you've got to be tired. You've played so many minutes, and then of course that thing you do is <laughs> the thing that loses the game for the team. So if you read our uh, uh, match ratings, that's why he has a two. Instead of a three, I thought he deserved a three, and then when I, I got curious just to see what happened on that corner and looked it up, and I was like, "Well, shouldn't have done anything here because now I'm just pissed off again." And I mean, by the way, D- Dylan's talking about match ratings there. For those of you that maybe haven't checked it out yet, go over to our website. You can go to ocscpodcast.com and you can see what Dylan's talking about there. Uh, Dylan and Alan put together a, a piece on player ratings for the match. Dylan did the player ratings. Alan chose the theme of beer or specifically IPAs, uh, and he rated those IPAs. So if you don't agree on his ratings for IPAs, uh, tweet at him and let him know why he got it wrong. Specifically specifically California IPAs. Yeah. Okay, California Think local. Um, If you don't agree with my player ratings, you can tweet at me, and I'll probably just ignore you (laughs) because I poured through the stats, and yeah. That's a tough place. That plays a tough play for Seton too, because he's posting up on the on the post, uh, the near post to defend against balls like shot in toward that near post, and it's tough for him to pick up that player. And is he supposed to step out and then leave that near post vacant? That's a tough play for Seats to take care of. Uh, Logan pointed out in the the YouTube chat about the offense. That's the thing too. Like you, if you don't score a goal, your best case scenario is a draw. And I think when we're talking about this game, yeah, the defense on set piece is one thing, but you're put in a position to give up a lead on a late set piece because you don't score. There's a great opportunity in the highlights where DJ puts a ball in that bounces off the post. Uh, I don't remember who was there at the post that might have been able to tap that in instead uh, and maybe just didn't quite have a play on it. But when you don't score any goals in two weeks, you're not going to win very many games. And we can harp on the defense all we want, but we're also not clicking offensively either. And that's also really problematic um, because if you don't score goals, you don't win games. Yeah. If you don't cover first, you're in last, right? Yeah, I mean, unless you get really lucky and someone scores an own goal, (laughs) then yeah, basically your best hope is drawing all the time, which doesn't get you in the playoffs. And I think currently we're sitting outside of those playoff spots, uh, if I'm correct. Yep. So, ooh, Alan was sorry. There. I punched my microphone. Well, at least so your angry. microphone didn't go tumbling down at the mention of eggnog. Wow. Jeez. Oh. 
bringing back old memories, Dylan, bringing back old memories. It was a Uh, happier, simpler time. So uh, Alan and I, before the show, we're talking about it. We're both, I think, drinking a a beer. I'm not drinking an IPA. I don't know if you're drinking one, um, Alan, or not in honor of our player ratings. Dylan, do you have uh, a drink in hand? Yes, sir. And it's a local beer because hashtag drink local. Okay. uh, What's your local beer, uh, Dylan? Today, I'm drinking Beachwood Brewing's Hayabusa Lager. Um, I think they're based in Long Beach. They've got a, it's a good another brewery, brewery in um, or brewing. Huntington Beach or something? Thing in Hunting- yeah, I don't know what the verb is, but it's, or noun is, but uh, it's in Huntington <laughs> Beach. It's great. It's a ultra crisp and refreshing Japanese style lager made with American barley, Canadian pilsner, toasted rice, sorry, toasted flaked rice, and German Hallertal. Mittelfra hops. So it's, you know, like a, the most American beer ever because it's just a whole bunch of stuff thrown <laughs> into one can and it tastes great. Also, it's pretty cheap. So so there you go. A, a Beachweed or any other brewery. Look at how well Dylan read that out, you know, promoted some sort of alcoholic beverage. If anyone wants to hit us up, we'd be Drink responsibly. more than willing. We'd be more than willing to, if you want to provide us some, some beers for our podcast, we will drink them and talk about them as we are podcasting. Uh, about soccer beer and soccer just goes great together yeah i think alan agrees agreed agreed how about you alan what are you drinking i am drinking a comfort zone ipa which is uh from modern times beer and collab with cellar maker brewing it is a lovely hazy ipa it's got a nice golden color to it uh it is a single ipa and the alcohol by volume is 6.66 and i think they did that on purpose uh, but, uh, honor times kills it down here in San Diego and I go there quite frequently. So they're employee owned and independent brewing and local. So, uh, support your local independent breweries. Amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we have to talk about beer right now, not just in honor of our player ratings, but I just, it's so difficult to talk about this Portland match. Uh, the fact that. Orange County was like three or four minutes away from at least a point, even though that's not the the most amazing result you get in a home match. It's still better than getting zero points. And, and the fact that they didn't give up just one, but two goals in those final few minutes of the match sort of uh, losing. Oh, I was going to say, Alan, the can, if you want to hold it up again really quick for your beer, it's a pretty cool looking can too. So uh, I'd ask Dylan what his can looks like, but we can never see what Dylan's uh, what what's going on. And Dylan, he hides. No, what are you talking about? That picture. picture of me right there—that's that's me on the podcast. That's your life, that's your right, life now. right now. Yes, I have amazing neck and arm muscles to be able to sit in this one <laughs> position the whole time. And I don't know why my mouth isn't moving, but maybe there's some input lag or something. Oh, also, I'm like in Hawaii, so the sun's still up right now. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I think that's people actually, who are listening. Just I think to that's the actually you. Are probably that's, so confused. That's you, Dylan. Uh, in the fan zone at an Orange County match. I recognize that picture. Yes, it um, is. Thank you, Lisa like Rosales, for that picture. Yes. And all the other pictures for Orange County. She's a amazing person and amazing photographer to boot. So, um, you know, she kind of yeah. makes the world go round around here. It's, well, let me, throw, uh, let me throw my beer out really quick. I'm drinking from the brewery. And you can Bougie. see right there. That's you. Yeah. I want, I want your paychecks. I'm drinking a sour today just for the heck of it. But uh, I too have a pretty nifty looking can. I I like the cans when they're putting some nifty looking designs on what's going on there. Not just a plain old nothing. Um, Let's, uh, let's wrap up this, this Portland talk because we have a couple matches to talk about coming up this week. 
Um, can you guys pick uh, anyone that was the standout player for Orange County in this match? Alan, I'll go to you first. Uh, standout player? Um. <laughs> it's a stumper, huh? It is. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, of good players. I think probably Aiden Quinn. Um, he had a couple of great chances early on. He put one just wide of the goal. Uh, there was one late on as well. Darwin Jones to Aiden Quinn and Michael Seaton. Uh, so kind of maybe an old school combo. Um, I think Aiden Quinn probably had the best chances not named Darwin Jones. And Darwin Jones did come in late. So that was the only downside to Darwin Jones. Uh, but I would probably have to say across the entire game, I would have to choose uh, Aiden Quinn. How about you, Dylan? Um, yeah, I mean, Aiden had another amazing performance, as he seems to do basically every week, because shock of shocks, he's really, really freaking good at playing soccer. Um, but actually, I think Koji Hashimoto did a wonderful job. Sure, he came off just before the hour, but I think uh, we asked him to play in a much different role than he normally plays. If you watch the first 45 minutes of that game, he's sitting behind Liam Trotter and behind Aiden Quinn. Um, and normally he's a similar player to Aiden Quinn, where he's getting forward and he'll get into the box uh, a little bit later and, and put one in. Um, he's kind of there for that shot that maybe bounces or that ball that maybe bounces to the top of the box for a shot. Uh, I thought he played well. Um, especially if you consider he hasn't really played much. That was only his fifth appearance and his second start of the season. And we asked him to play in a new spot. Did that really well. Um, other than that, I think Patrick McLean had a couple really big saves as he seems to do most weeks. Um, couldn't do anything on that, on that header. I mean, that was kind of a perfect header if you are a Timbers player or a Timbers fan. I mean, you're putting that thing, just getting it back post, basically. That's wonderful. Um, so I can't really fault him for that. Um, but he had that really big save off of that really weird bounce off of Leonardo like five minutes into the game and um, came up big a couple times in the second half to to keep the game level as well. So. Yeah, there were there were bright spots of this match, um, so it was an improvement off of Phoenix, even if it was, you know, even if we have nothing to show for it. And unfortunately, we have nothing to show for it. Um, any last thoughts on this match, gentlemen? Before we uh, we move on to other stuff, nothing I want to say publicly. <laughs> I mean, I think with the loss, I think the highlight of the match was just the announcement of Michael Orozco. Um, what a transition. Yeah. So I think coming away from that match, I think that was one of the, the few positives to look forward to. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to talk about him and what he might bring to the club. But I think walking away, that was the one positive thing I took from, from the end of the game. Well, then let's uh, move ahead and talk about the newest member of the team, Michael Orozco. Um U.S. national team player. I think we were talking about it when we found out the signing. I, I believe he's played in like 20-something matches. 
uh, as 29 with 29 matches with four or five goals on the national team. Uh, Anytime I I get it. He's not like a superstar when it comes to American uh, male, American soccer players, but anytime you can get someone that has played on the national team and you can get him in the USL and it's not like he's like 39, 40 years old coming in. I know he's, you know, up there in age as far as typical age for USL soccer players, but you're getting a player that has some experience on the biggest stages of soccer uh, and he's coming into a USL squad that needs some help right now. So um, possibly the bright, the, if, if I was going to pick a bright side or, or, you know, whatever for the match, this is probably the biggest bright side is we're getting some help. Uh, it's yet to be seen how this help's going to work with this team and, and how it's going to change the defensive lineup for orange County, but Hey, some help coming in. Uh, Alan, what are your thoughts? Um, chatting with him after the game, it seems like also kind of that experience, that leadership, that guidance is going to be great. Uh, he spoke a lot about also connecting, trying to connect to the community uh, and a lot of the younger players in some of the academy positions maybe, or just players who are playing in some of the academies that aren't associated with Orange County. Uh, he g- grew up in the OC. Uh, he played for a couple club teams in Irvine. Uh, before moving down to Mexico and kind of growing up down there as a soccer player too. Uh, He mentioned, hey, like when I was younger, I didn't have these opportunities in Orange County. And now there's a team here. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to Europe. You can develop here at home. And then when you develop here, then you can take your talents to South Beach or Europe or Mexico. Um, I do think coming from a competitive league, yeah, that was a LeBron LeBron shout out <laughs> like uh, South Beach, South Beach uh, doesn't have a team yet. I mean, they do, but they're not really participating. Taking your, you know, I said taking, taking your talents and at one point they had an MLS team, I think, right. Or Miami fusion, I think was their name for like three years. So many throwbacks to slightly before I was born to when I was two years old. God, but I, I think, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is Orange County doesn't always do a great job of connecting to the community. Uh, and I think that he can bring that to the team. Yeah, he isn't a Clint Dempsey or a Michael Beasley, but, you know, you have a hometown guy who scored a goal in the United States first win on Mexico soil. Like there's he won a gold cup. He won a Copa MX. He's played in a competitive league. League MX is a very competitive league. Uh, I would put it above MLS. Uh, I put most Liga MX teams above most MLS teams. And, you know, yeah, he played for the Cholos and he played for Lobos Bwap, who aren't, you know, burning anything down as far as winning championships. But he's still playing in a very competitive league. So you can bring that experience and that life experience into the team to, you know, work with some of the younger guys. But also I think we've been talking about kind of that lack of leadership in the team as far as someone who's going to speak up. And I think he might be able to bring that to the team. And then just building the community and building the the brand of Orange County and the the crest of Orange County as a legitimate soccer team in the community is something that I think he can do as well. So I'm I am hopeful uh, for his presence on the team, uh, not just on the pitch, but I think what he can also bring off the pitch as well. What about you, Dylan? Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean. I, I was like five feet away from Alan and um, Michael Roscoe during this interview, and I could not hear him at all. He is really soft-spoken, um, apparently, with the media. But I think um, 
sure he's a little bit you know, like he's towards the end of his career, but that's fine. And he's like Alan said, he's coming from a really competitive league. Um, he's coming from two teams that are winning games. Um, God, look at him, I'm self roasting. But I think what he really offers is um, that homegrown player kind of idea. He's from Orange County. He's coming home. Um, and it seems like he really does want to be here. And that's going to be huge. And the professionalism that he will show some of the younger players, and we've got some some younger players on the team, um, even to guys that are, you know, even to the, like the Walker Humes. I think he's going to be 26, but he still has plenty to learn. Um, and, and all of these slightly younger guys um, really can look up to this guy as someone who's played at a, I mean, in a top flight, at a top flight club. Um, and he's going to attract some people that maybe watched him when he played for the Cholos. Um, what is it? Lobos Bwap? Is that what the other team? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Look at me. So um, I think that'll help on the marketing side of things, but it's not, it's never a bad idea to get someone who's experienced and who's played. Uh, he's got some caps for the U S too. That's huge. I mean, we talked about this last year when we signed to a Schoibold. Um He can still play, but he brings experience as well. And that's going to be key for the team moving forward. I think, especially in a season like this, I mean, someone's going to need to be there to really galvanize some of these players to really galvanize some of the, some of these games um, and really make sure that they realize that they're trying like that to make them try every week, I think is the biggest thing. And if you can get them to do that or to realize um, the amount of work it's going to take, not only to perform week in week out at this level, but you know, to perform week in week out at other levels, I think it's safe to say that none of the players on orange County really want to be here for the rest of their careers. Um, this is not top flight. Um, there's a lot more to be had in the soccer world. Um, and so if these are guys who are younger and most of, again, most of our team is a little bit younger, um, he only serves to really show what they need to do to get to that next level for themselves. So it's kind of all around win for the club. Um, and I'm excited to see what he brings. I think when I was talking to Alan on Saturday, he mentioned from what you've read or seen yourself or talked to other people about, he's, um, good physically. He's really good in the air. So that should be really nice for us to have. It's just another head, um, for set pieces, really attacking or defending. That should be a really big coup for us. Should help out. Um, Let's let's move forward because we got a couple other matches to talk about. Plus, we have other interesting or other things to talk about. So let's move on quickly here to this upcoming friendly that we have uh, this Thursday. So, in just uh, if you're listening live in a couple nights, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, maybe about 24 hours. If you're listening right when we release this, uh, Orange County is playing their first friendly against the first squad from Tijuana. They've uh, over the last few seasons they've played exhibition games against the youth squad. So this will be an interesting test for orange County. Like uh, Alan was mentioning, he probably would rate the uh, league MX uh, MX over um, MLS. Most teams. I know there's some MLS teams that probably 
could compete or even win against some of the the Mexican teams. But still, uh, you know, playing a, a team from Mexico, bringing their first team. Now it's a friendly, so there's probably going to be some rotation of the squads. You might not see a full first eleven for either squad, especially because Orange County has a game just two nights later. Uh, but it'll be interesting, uh, a chance to bring out some new fans, uh, like Alan was sort of mentioning, sort of reaching out to the local fan base. There's probably enough local fans that follow the team from Tijuana that would be interested in coming out. I know looking at social media, there's there's some of that in there. Uh, Alan, your thoughts? Is this, uh, is, is this uh, only going to help the club or is it going to hurt them because they have a match just a couple nights later? Uh, depends on how they play it. I mean, it's preseason for the Cholos. Um, they have some returning players. It just kind of depends on who they start because it is the early preseason. You might see some starters really early on, uh, but you're probably not going to see their starting goaltender who's pretty good. Uh, you might see a couple of strikers who are, are pacey and a little bit physical, uh, but then again, they might start them a little bit and then bring in some of their youth players. Um Cholos were a playoff team last year, uh, and they went pretty far in the Copa MX as well, which is both surprising. Uh, Oscar Breja is their coach. He moved from FC Dallas. Uh, he's been doing some really good work there in Cholos. Uh, their fans, their supporter section, I think it's El Masacre, uh, do travel really well, and they do bring uh, a good atmosphere. So if they bring some away fans up to OC, uh, that would be kind of fun to see a slightly different soccer culture uh, than we were used to seeing in the United States. Uh, it's not super crazy, but uh, they do sing and dance, and uh, and it's nonstop. Um, so the Shilos are kind of mid-table right now in League MX. Um, they're definitely not, you know, Club America or the Tigres or any of those, like, huge teams, uh, but they are very popular, especially in SoCal uh, with uh, kind of the San Diego-Tijuana region. Uh, so you'll probably see some away fans traveling. Um, it'll be a good test for Orange County. Um, maybe you, you put uh, a starting 11 on and kind of fill your way out, and then maybe put some guys on. Uh, maybe you start Aaron Cervantes in goal, and he comes up with a r- bunch of, like, 20 saves because I need, like, 10 points <laughs> in that game. Um, but I, I do think it'll be a, a, a fun match. Um, I'm very, very sad that I will not be able to be there. I was really looking forward to it, being a fan of both teams, uh, to being able to see them both in person. Um, but it should be a fun match. Sholos uh, do have some good players. Uh, they do have a lot of uh, younger guys as well. And uh, I think it's if you're thinking about it one way or the other, you're 50-50, I would say uh, come on out and check them out because they're bringing their – you know, it's not like your your U fourteens or whatever they used to bring, where their numbers are like three hundred and twelve. <laughs> uh, you might, do, which is my favorite thing about League MX. You might see some of that, uh, but I mean, it, it's a fun friendly against the local team that you'll probably see come up this way. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, quite often uh, to see the Sholas come up and play Orange County. So I would recommend checking it out. Uh, there are some some pretty good players. What do you think, Dylan? Um, are we going to probably see a well-rotated side from Orange County in this? And what what do you think? Do you think Orange County can can entertain the fans and maybe sneak a victory in this friendly? Um, I th- think yes. The first question, no to the other one. Um, I think, yeah, you're going to see a lot of rotation. Um, there are guys who need match fitness. Um, Hugo Arellano hasn't played in a few weeks. 
Um, Connor Gordon hasn't played. Well, okay, so he played in Phoenix, but he played like 10 minutes. So he hasn't played very much. Um, i trying to think who else hasn't really played. Sebastian Dupre, um, Kevin Coleman, Carlos Lopez. Um, these are guys who haven't really played. They'll probably get some minutes. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they give... You know, actually, now that I think about it, it's a little bit weird of a situation with Eric Cervantes, where he's 17, and if you put him up against this Liga MX side, you know they're going to score goals, and, and that's fine. That's how it... We, we played Cruz Azul last year, and I think we lost 5-0. Um, I'd say the team's probably a little bit better this year, um, despite how things are going. It's a little bit later in the year, so that might change things. But... Um, if you put him in there and he just gets shelled, does it destroy his confidence? Because you know, got to sit there and you really have to make sure that he knows it's not his fault that, you know, maybe to score three or four goals um, and that it is just a friendly because sure it's a friendly and it doesn't actually have any meaning, but these guys are all professional athletes. So at the end of the day, what do they want to do? Beat the ever loving crap out of each other and win games. Um, Probably the second more than the first, but however it happens, it happens. Um, so, yeah, I think we see a pretty good rotation. Um, even if it's 45 minutes, those guys will probably all get at least a half to show what they're worth. Um, I think a better victory for Orange County is just scoring a goal or scoring a couple of goals against the side. Um, and, you know, I think it's funny that Alan mentions, like, oh, you know, Tijuana is not good of a side, but growing up, I remember, like, all I ever saw was uh, Cruz Azul and Tijuana. Um, just Cholo stuff all the time here. So, I mean, they might not be the biggest team, but they've definitely got a following, even here. I think it's going to be a pretty big crowd, um, and it's going to be mostly Cholos fans because, I mean, they're how often are you going to see the Cholos playing in Orange County? <laughs> One time a year. So they're all going to show up, and, I mean, rightfully so. And... I know the Canyonland collision isn't going to this game, so it's probably be pretty loud uh, in favor of the Cholos. So it should be a really fun game to watch, and I'm really sad that Allen's going to miss it. It would have been a great game for Allen to be there. I mean, being that he sort of is a fan of these two teams and out of the three of us knows more about Tijuana than and than me or Dylan. I'm, I'm, I'm saying probably the soccer team and the city. Either of us combined know nothing <laughs> in comparison to you. So, cheers to Alan. He definitely um, was going to say something, but drinking <laughs> is definitely more important. So I get that. Uh, something um, just to, to remind people who are about where they are in their kind of squad development is they're still in their like, hey, we're trying to sign some players and people are leaving. And so they don't have quite that same team cohesiveness. Now they are keeping a couple of guys, and if you see them on the the field, um, like a, a Ariel Nahopan, um, uh, Omar Mendoza, Quick Mendoza, um, you might see some good players at the beginning, but you know they're definitely not match fit. Uh, they're definitely playing with people they're not used to playing with. Uh, who knows who signs between now and Thursday that they might throw on the pitch? <laughs> um, so I don't think you're going to see the a very organized attack um, or a very cohesive unit. Cause it is a lot of like Liga MX plays two seasons a year. So it's like 17 games. 
Uh, they play like home and home between the two seasons. So their seasons are real short and people leave and come like crazy in, in Liga MX. Uh, and this being so early in the, in the preseason, um, I really have no idea what, what shape Tijuana is going to be in. They're well coached. I mean, Oscar Brea has a great coach. Uh, so if it's first team guys and maybe second team guys, they're going to be pretty well. But if you get into those third team guys at the end, you know, you might, you might get shocked, a shell shocked a little bit at the beginning, but then be able to, to compete uh, with some of their youth players toward the end. Cause so basically they're just probably just trying out a bunch of guys and seeing who works and who doesn't, who works well together and who doesn't. Uh, so, I mean, you never know. Uh, it's USL, Liam X. It's kind of the, a lot of the same things of, you never really know what's going to happen until you watch the game because crazy stuff happens. Weird teams beat weird teams like Vegas and New Mexico. Uh, so it should be kind of a fun, uh, unpredictable, unpredictable match. Like I wouldn't even, I couldn't even think to give you a score line or anything like that right now. <laughs> Cause it's, it should be a really fun match. Uh, maybe not like the smoothest soccer. Like you're not watching like the Japan women's national team play, uh, but I think you're gonna you're gonna be entertained by some some people trying to get on some first teams and you know maybe some Orange County guys looking for some starting eleven minutes. I think anyone that watches friendly soccer matches realize you're not gonna always see the greatest soccer. You're gonna see coaches messing with lineups. It's an opportunity for Orange County to maybe throw some players in there that haven't really gotten much of opportunity, and it's a chance for those players to show, hey, I need minutes out there in the in the matches that mean something uh so you're gonna probably see some good rotation here for orange county i'm gonna guess you're probably gonna see a lot of the players that are of latin and hispanic descent getting major minutes because i i think orange county is using this as an opportunity to pull in some of these fans of of tijuana and just the mexican league in general and show them hey we got some players in our team that you can relate to that you can cheer for uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see an Aaron Cervantes, uh, Hugo Ariano out there, Leonardo out there, uh, Vinicius out there. Um, you know, I know Leonardo and Vinicius are more Brazil, but it's still more of that South American, Central American flair you're going to see out there. I think you're going to see some big minutes from some of those types of players. Uh, at least if if I was in the situation here where you're trying to use this as an opportunity to pull in fans, that's what I would be doing. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how, what happens and, and how things turn out for orange County. I, I won't ask you guys to, to state a score, but just really quickly, who's going to win the match, Dylan, uh, Tijuana, Alan, probably Tijuana. So see, I just, I just leave so out the probably. And so I'm going to look like a jerk compared to Alan, but I just think like if they start their <laughs> starters for half an hour, those guys are freaking good. Like they're probably going to do pretty well. So yeah. we we got a score to win. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this like 15 minutes ago. I got a score to win. So who knows? It's going to be a draw five, five. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> what? To- <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the other match. The one that actually means something at least, uh, and at least the orange County fans. Cause we know you exist and that's the match coming up this weekend. Uh, I let Alan sort of talk about this Portland match. Dylan, introduce us into the match this weekend. All right. We're playing Los Dos, right? 
Playing Los Dos at home. All right, so, Alan's giving me a so thumbs confident. up. So we're playing it's Los so Dos. So confident, Jill. It's so confident. I just you're know I got to. You're not yeah. used to me throwing the ball to you and saying, "Hey, run with it." This, Alan did it when I gave it to him. He's not used to it either. This ain't my job. Um, so yeah, um, Los Dos have been good this year in comparison to last year. Looking at where they're sitting currently in the table because they really haven't paid attention in a hot second. Thirteenth, right behind us. Um, the only thing saving us here is our goal difference is not negative 11. Um, so yeah. Um, I think at this point last season, Los Dos probably didn't have any wins. They generally, eh, Efren Alvarez last year was kind of their big thing. And I don't think he's been playing very much, um, this year with them. Cause I think he's usually, uh, up with the big boys in Carson playing in the real stadium. So I think this is. This actually is a must-win game for Orange County. This is a game they have to score. They have to score a couple goals because we learned. And they got to start strong, too. Um, they got to show up in the first 10 minutes. They can't concede a goal three minutes in. And they have to be there in the 93rd minute, too, to not concede another. As they did in Carson, what, a month ago? Almost to the day. So, yeah, it's a weird situation, um, but they're... I mean, basically, they're a pretty similar side to us. Um, there's talent there, and maybe it's not always the best utilized. Um, but I still think they're a good team, even without um, Efren Alvarez, and depending on who the Galaxy sent down, because who needs minutes? And s- it could be another dangerous game. Um, last year, I think we got a little bit cocky when we played them at home the second time, and I think we expected big wins. And then the team was really complacent and lost 3-0 and never looked like they were going to offer anything in response. Um, so I do think Orange County needs to like really show up strong in the first 20 minutes and probably put one in the net in the first half. Otherwise, I think what we've seen a lot out of Lostos is when they don't concede, they get really good at com- um, compacting all 11 players into their own half and all within about 20 yards of themselves as well. So you'll have the back line maybe on the 18. And then their number nine is at the top of the center circle and kind of just closing down passes. So, yeah, it's got to be an experience thing here, again, where we just get ahead. Um, that's the only real difference between the two sides, and I think that's Orange County's biggest um, positive looking into this match. Can I, can I say really quick, uh, if I can remember correctly, this is another one of those matches, just like the Portland match, where we gave up a very late goal. Yeah. Oh, you're that, right. Uh, we gave up a goal in the third, and we gave up a goal in the 91st up in Carson. I mean, joy, joy. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the theme of this year is, let's, hey, let's give them three goals at the end of matches. Yeah, show up for the whole 90 minutes. I mean, <laughs> but hey, the whole 90 plus whatever minutes. 90 not plus just three, we'll say minutes. that. Because again, in LA, they showed up for 90 minutes. It was just those those extra couple minutes that ruined the match for them. Uh, Alan. Um, uh, some things give me hope. They have won one game on the road, and that was against Tacoma Defiance in March. Uh, they are 0-2-3 in their last five, although one of those is a draw against New Mexico United. But to be fair, New Mexico United has been focusing way more on the Open Cup and not so much on league play. Uh, so New Mexico United is... Not quite the same New Mexico United in USL. They have a kind of a short bench. And then I think they've been kind of focusing on getting further in the Open Cup, which congratulations to them. They have beaten, I think the, the line what someone used was St. Louis has beaten 
two MLS teams and Cincinnati's beaten three. New Mexico United has also beaten uh, for victorious against uh, two MLS teams so far. Uh, so good up on them. Uh, two games before that was 4-2 win for Reno and a 3-0 win for El Paso. Uh, so I am pretty hopeful that based on the form of Los Dos, uh, the fact that they've probably been using some of those guys for their Open Cup with LA Galaxy, uh, there's some some wear and tear on those legs. Um, and yeah, their record is pretty similar to us, but I think when it comes to playing at home, uh, we tend to play really well at home and Los Dos doesn't seem to do particularly well on the road. Uh, so I am pretty hopeful that we can pull something out, especially if we rotate well enough against Cholos, uh, that we save some of those attacking legs like DJ, like Vinicius, like Seton, um, for this game, I think putting uh, Van Wolfgang up there as well. Um, I think we can, you know, punch him really fast, really hard early, maybe get a goal, maybe feel really good. Because right now I think, you know, two games in a row without scoring, I think you need to see it hit the back of the net. A little bit snake bitten right now. You get an early goal and then you just kind of ride that wave and, you know, maybe you put in two or three in that game and uh, this might kick off a, uh, a good streak for Orange County. Uh, moving forward, I think it's just that game. I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's just a must win. I think it's a must score a couple goals. I think we need to get two or three in at least uh, to build that confidence again. Because when Orange County plays with confidence, like we've seen it in spurts this year, that they are an incredibly competitive team that can beat lots of people, and you know they're gonna. It's gonna be. It should be an easy match, which is a little bit scary, but it's L.A., then Colorado Springs, then the Bold, and then San Antonio at home. Like, if they they can win, they could easily win three of those four games. Um, so I think this is where the one where they just need to put pedal the metal from, from the get-go, put one in early, and then get two or three over the course of the game and hopefully keep a clean sheet. Uh, and kind of just put Orange County back on the road to where they should be. I mean, there's no reason this team should be playing as poorly as they are with the talent they have on that field. Definitely. Uh, and, and, you know, this is the point of the season where we got, there's this sort of, I, I don't want to jinx us, but there's this lull in the level of competition we might be getting here over the next few matches. I know I, I spoke with, uh, coach Braden Cloutier recently, uh, and he even sort of mentioned it. This is sort of the time where you can really turn things around. Uh, you got m- more matches at home than on the road. You're playing against some of the lower level teams. I think one of the road matches we do have coming up is Tacoma, which is one of those ones where you should be able to travel up there and come away with a victory. Uh, so this is sort of the the now or never part of the season here. And this is where we're going to know, I think, after these next five or six matches, where Orange County stands. Do they really have it in them to make that push, uh, to make it to the playoffs, make a run in the playoffs? Or are we going to walk away, you know, knowing that this is probably going to be a disappointing season, uh, that we didn't live up to the expectations that maybe we should have uh, or the team should have lived up to? in the season and have to sort of look forward to next season. Yeah. Five of the next eight are at home. Uh, the road matches are Colorado switchbacks, Austin bold 
and Tacoma Defiance. Um, actually, I think so we if, even have more home games after that. So, so if you're a playoff team, you I mean, you're looking at those road matches. If you're a true playoff team, you should win at least two of those matches, not if not all three. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And then you, uh, I think you win at home against L.A., you went at home against San Antonio. Sorry, Harry, but they are terrible on the road. Uh, the Reno-Sacramento home games are going to be tough, but you're on the road against Tacoma and then home against Vegas and, and Real Monarchs. Like Orange County, if they play the way that they should be able to play, um, you know, Reno-Sacramento might be kind of a coin flip, but of those, uh, you know, home matches against LA, Sacramento, or San Antonio, that's six points. Uh, the way at Tacoma should win, that's nine. Home Las Vegas, home SLC, you know, you're looking at 15 points um, out of those games. I think if you, you need to take all three from all of those, all of all those matches. And I think yeah. we're looking at, you know, solidifying maybe not a home playoff game, but you're definitely in that playoff conversation because you should be like Las Vegas and OKC and RGV are above us in the standings. And there's no reason why we should be behind those three teams uh, we should be on par with a Reno or a Sacramento, although they've been playing really well, but maybe a Fresno. So I think, you know, we should be six, seven, eight at least. And I think that this stretch of eight, nine, 10 games is really where, you know, orange County says, look, this is who we are and we're going to go on a run. Um, and I think it starts with a good, a good start in LA or against LA. Well, let me let me jump to you, Dylan, because you, you heard those run of matches that are coming up here for Orange County. Uh, a lot of home matches. The away matches are winnable matches, especially if you really consider yourself a playoff team. A uh, big part of what's going to happen for Orange County is we need some consistency. We need some uh, consistency in the starting eleven, in what we're bringing off the bench, and just sort of on the on the field in general. I, I saw you in the comments. For those of you that don't watch our live stream, Dylan was chatting in here, saying he's worried about his hair for that Reno match. Um, what do you think is is it possible that after the next eight or so matches, Orange County is now sitting mid table, or sorry, mid playoff table in the West and? Uh, we're looking back at all this worry here that we've had over the last month and a half, two months, and we're sort of laughing about it. Um, yes, I think we can be in that position. No, I don't think we'll be laughing about it. Um, <laughs> look at how Nashville's playing. You know, they should be, they're in a great spot. They're underperforming. They should be much higher than they are. We are underperforming. We should be much higher than we are. We brought in guys. European experience, and it hasn't panned out like it did with Thomas Edvoldson last year. We don't have Thomas Edvoldson on the team anymore. Um, Aiden Quinn kind of fulfills not his role in a playing sense, but his role as a leader where he's vocal and he's demanding the most out of his teammates. But I think without that, you know, 10 years of European experience and playing in the World Cup and scoring away in the Champions League, um, there are some differences there. And maybe their track doesn't get as far. But, yeah, I think games against Los Dos, games against Colorado Springs, um, games against San Antonio at home, these are games you should be winning. Games against Tacoma, you should be winning that. Home or away, doesn't matter. Vegas at home, you should be winning that game. The Monarchs at home, you should be winning that game. 
Uh, by September, I think New Mexico will probably be done with the Open Cup, uh, regardless of if they win the whole thing or not. So that's you go there and you hope for a draw and you play as well as you can and you try to get a point. And maybe you beat them on the break and you get another goal and you you, uh, you beat them. Um, yeah, we <laughs> have a chance for a lot of points and the team really needs to step up and play like a team. Everyone needs to be passing with each other. Everyone needs to be working cohesively with one goal. And it, right now, I feel like this goal should just be scoring as many goals as possible every single game. If you look at how Phoenix played the first five games of the season, I think they drew four times and probably won a game or law. I don't really remember. It feels like a lifetime ago, but they took so <laughs> well, many freaking shots. Of the league. You're talking smack at the league for rating them so high back in those days. And then someone figured out John Arley is actually from Arizona. So then it all made sense. Uh, and they still haven't said anything <laughs> remotely intelligent since March. So yeah, whatever, they're hopeless. But they took so many freaking shots every game. I think they were taking, by the time we'd played them, I think they had taken 120 shots. We should be taking shots. And we shouldn't be taking garbage shots from 25, 30 yards out because that's, we think we can score from there. We need to probably stop crossing the ball, especially if Seaton's not on the field or if he's the only one in the box because he's outnumbered. Probably just push the ball into the box and start shooting because eventually one of those things is going to go through. Eventually, defender is going to stick his hand out and get called for handball. Eventually, goalkeeper is going to misread the ball. Eventually, deflection is going to happen. Balls will start finding the net, but we have to actually start shooting first. And if we don't do that, we're not going to score and then we're not going to win. I mean, that's what we've learned. Maybe we tried to play for a draw in, in Vegas when we lost 3-0. I mean, we, we had a couple shots, and we really only had a couple shots against Portland, and that was unacceptable. And we we outplayed them, except in the fact that we couldn't manage to get that final touch, or that final pass to get a shot off. So, you know, score five against Los Dos. Score three against Colorado, because they're playing at like 6,600 feet. They're playing at the highest stadium in North America. You know, you should probably be beating Austin Bold. They're really not that good, and I get it's going to be hot. I get we're going to be playing away, but you're also like beating up a bunch of like thirty-year-old fat Brazilian guys. So our team is pretty young and pretty fit. We should be substantially better than we are, and we should be winning games like that. So we really have to, I don't know, play like a team at this point. It's All right. what are we? Fifteen games in the season now? Sixteen, something like that. I think we're maybe halfway at this point, and I still feel like we're saying the same stuff that we were saying like the fourth week we need to play like a team and we just need to figure our offense out and we've been saying that figured it out at this now. point i mean yeah you got to figure out right here and right now you can't wait till and start dropping guys that aren't being productive offensively and make sure yeah. that guys that are needing distribution are getting distribution like drop vinicius everyone drop everyone on dylan's fantasies here <laughs> Do it if that mean if those are the underperforming <laughs> ones and they're not helping the offense. I don't care. Then do it. Uh, you got. To, I mean, if you look at Darwin, and you look at Aiden, and you look at Mike, and you look at Vinicius, and you look at how some combination of those four players play together. They play together so well. There's some disconnect there between the top line in the midfield when the defense in the midfield where it's not quite getting there for whatever reason. That is unacceptable at this point in the season. If you're halfway, you've been playing with these guys for four months, you should know them. You should know how they play and you should probably just get over whatever personal thing that you might have against them. Cause I mean, you're bringing 30 guys together that are all different and have different backgrounds, 
probably put that stuff aside because this is your job. And that's what they pay you to do is to win games and to be competitive. Uh, oh, right. and some news. Uh, Christian Duke is coming back in the next few weeks, according to Braden Cloutier. So uh, we might see Aiden Quinn playing a little bit further ahead. So we that finally might... have some good news. It's like that um, <laughs> hey. Gordon Ramsay mean, finally some good food, except now it's good news. Hey, that might be the, the savior right there is bringing Christian Duke back into the mix, uh, getting his steadiness out there. Although I don't know how much we can rely on it because he's been sitting so long. It's going to take him probably towards the end of the season to sort of get back into the flow of things, learn some of his new teammates, but hopefully it's quick for him and hopefully. uh, Yeah. I mean, it'll take him some time, but Hey, if it coincides with us going on a nice run before the playoffs, that's kind of the time you need it. Right. And we watched him play last year and he was consistent every time he played. So as soon as he gets up to speed, I think we'll be in in a pretty good spot if everything else gets sorted out. So a couple, oh, of, couple of things. Uh, we took 17 shots against Portland. The problem is, or 12 of them were inside the box. The problem is only four were on target. I think that's the big the big issue is we're just shooting, and they're like going like sky high. Sky high, <laughs> super wide. There was like a couple. There was like one shot in Phoenix that was saved on Vinicius. Hashimoto had a great shot that just went wide. But most of the time, like our shooting accuracy is the biggest issue. So I would like them to shoot more. Yes, but I would like them to actually try to hit the target. Um, and then what the, the thing that's the biggest issue that that Dylan pointed out is the midfield. And then you look at like the signings that people we the we brought in over the summer or before the summer started, and it's like almost all midfielders were like, Oh, all these midfielders and no lot, no defense, no defense. And it was like tons of midfielders. And it would, you would think that you're signing all these guys to work in the midfield. You think some of them would show up. Um, I do think uh, having DJ sub in and the team just look better and brighter and our best chance, uh, you know, we hit the post with DJ on the, on the pitch. Um, I think getting him back in, I think getting uh, Van Wolfgang back in, um, Coleman looked really good. Um, Hashimoto looked really good. I think there's a lot of really positives going on uh, that that give me hope for the next, you know, five, six games. Uh, And, you know, I, I know I say this a lot, but it's just like, Hey, we, I'm hopeful that things kind of start clicking together again. We had a couple of weeks where we were, we're kind of shorthanded. We were out without with Seton. We were without Quinn. We were without DJ. You know, we were without those guys who are putting the ball in the net. And now that we're going to hopefully get all of them back in match fitness. Um, I think Christian Duke is just that icing on the cake that if yes. he can come in and solidify that back midfield, that does allow Quinn and maybe even Dylan's favorite player uh, Forrester to be that offensive distributor. <laughs> Cause I mean, his balls were weighted really great. They were great. Except he but, doesn't pass to everyone. And, right. And, and that's the problem still, is we still saw those issues with him not passing. And we still saw issues with him taking on shots where right. he never has a chance of hitting the target. And when they're when you're scoring zero goals, it's you know, maybe people are pressing more than they used to be. Um, I just think that we need to figure out where what who this team is. We're still like we talked about the identity and we thought we found it for a bit. 
And then we had a rash of injuries and yellow card accumulation and red cards that were weird. And I just think we need to get right. And I think we just need to get back to basics. I mean, just look at, I think the thing that with Phoenix is they just play with such, such joy on the pitch that I just don't see that right now with Orange County. They don't look happy when they're playing on the pitch. They don't look like they're having a good time. They don't look like they're enjoying playing with each other. And I think that if they kind of figure themselves out with Hashimoto getting back into it, with DJ coming back, with Coleman finding his feet, uh, with even Chrysostomo, like I think there's players on this team that I think if they can find that joy again, I think Orange County can be that fun team that I really fell in love with last year watching. They just looked like they were having a really good time on the pitch. Right now they look miserable, and I think that's affecting their play. I think it's partially mental, and you, you just need to go out there and have a good time. Like, what is it, rookie of the year it? Like, sometimes you lose fact that it, the, this game is supposed to be fun or Mighty Ducks or whatever one of those movies are. Like, it's supposed <laughs> to be fun. One of kids playing sports movies, yeah. right? You, you just remind yourself that this is supposed to be a, a fun thing and that if you lose sight of that, it's really easy to start beating yourself up when things, things don't, go, don't go well. Uh, I know Mighty Ducks with Emilio Estevez, right? Right. We just need to get like a flying V out there and <laughs> run over Los Dos like they're the uh, Icelandic uh, hockey team in Mighty Ducks too. That's that's maybe a knuckle puck in there or something. <laughs> knuckle puck. Um, man, I totally forgot what I was going to say now because you brought up Mighty Ducks and what was the other one you brought up? Uh, Actually, you brought up Mighty Ducks, but the other one was... Um... No, no, he said Mighty no, Ducks. I, said Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Oh, I thought you brought it up first. Rookie of the year or something like that. Rookie of the year, yeah. So on where he falls and breaks his arm, right? Yeah, that's... Well, he, he doesn't like, break his arm because, like, some sort of, like, tendon like, damage. Like, damage. Yeah, look, no one do that. Um, or, like, just it, ask like, Christian Duke if you're thinking about doing that to see how well that went for him. No, maybe Christian Duke's mother used to be the star, but then she made up a story about her dad was... Or the dad was <laughs> really the star, but it was really her all along. <laughs> Yeah. Rookie of the year. Um, let's do this really quick. Cause we, we, we got a few other things we want to talk about uh, LA versus orange County. Who's going to win and score Dylan. Um, wow. Uh, sorry. I was tossing my beer can. Um, orange County. Three, one. I think. All right. Alan, Seat what about scores, you? DJ scores oh. and Quinny scores. The Holy Trinity of Orange County. Alan. I'm going to go 4-0 Orange County. Yes. Straighten my veins. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Orange County. Not as as fun as your guys' predictions, but maybe maybe that's what happens. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff uh, before we talk about or, or do what we sort of do at the end of the episode. We do have something like heartfelt to talk about here or, or something that hit the show. A good friend of our show, uh, anyone that listens to us, watches us, knows we've brought this the, this guest on a few times. Uh, that's Kevin from the PRFC fan show. Uh, he went on to social media recently, shared some uh, Sad news, I guess. And but apparently we're reaching a bright side. Dylan, do you happen to you want to happen to share with our listeners what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, sometime yesterday, um, Kevin from the PRFC fan show said oh, I really post uh, private stuff, but his grandson Caden had emergency surgery on Saturday, um, and he said the initial surgery went well, but there were some complications that came up. Um, what would have been, I think. 
Sunday night um, and that he was struggling. So um, I think a lot of people saw it. It was a, you know, I think his, I think his grandson's like 22 months old or something. So you're already thinking, oh God, this is not, you know, this is an adult. So like health things become so much um, crazier and so much more serious, just no matter what it is. Um, and so late last night, he got onto Twitter and said, I'm overwhelmed for the support. Um, but he said he wished he had better news. So he went from having a bone infection in his skull to a bacterial infection in his blood. Um, then we got some good news uh, earlier today um, that um, the hospital that Caden, his grandson, is at was able to identify the bacteria. Um, it started with an infection behind the ear, so caused a big cyst, infected the bone. So they relieved the pressure, um, drained the fluid. Uh, they were able to remove the infected bone, it seems like. Um, he had some blood clots. Those were taken care of. So it seems like everything is on the up and up and that uh, Caden's going to be okay. It's just a really nice showing from kind of everyone all around, not just Phoenix fans, um, not just the Phoenix squad who recorded a video. Um, just kind of thinking about him and, and wishing him the best. And they're going to send Caden a jersey. Um, no idea if it's a toddler jersey or not, but, um, you know. <laughs> he'll be able to grow into it. <laughs> he'll be able to grow into it, exactly. Um, it's just a really great, positive thing from kind of everyone. And it's really, I mean, the best part of this is that the prognosis seems really good and that um, he's expecting that Kitten will be okay involving everything. I mean, that the infection will go away, that the blood clots won't cause any um, long-term damage. And so um, he said he, Kevin said he's humbled by this experience for facing mortality through his grandson and the outpouring of friendship that he has received. Um, he says more to come. This isn't over quite yet, but things look hopeful. So it's just a nice, we don't have to hate each other and, you know, bad things happen, but we're still a community and like a really niche community. And it's just really nice to get some good news about something that's been so serious. Um, even just over really the last 24 or 48 hours. Um, yeah. Good news is always nice, especially when it's a 22 month old. And I could have thrown it to you, Alan, to, to share the story. Um, not not singling out Dylan on that. I didn't feel like I could really explain the story. And just because it was, I knew I'd get like sort of emotional over it. I have kids um, as a, a father, that's your biggest worry. And I get it. It's a grandchild, but still that's a big worry in your life is something happening to a little one. And I'm, I'm not saying Dylan and Alan, you know, don't have feelings for people or kids or what it is. It's just, it's a different type of, of emotional hit when you, because when I hear that type of story, I just put it with my kids. Like, what if that was me having to go through that? And even while Dylan, while you're telling the story and, and revealing, at least we've got some good news right now. I could, I, I felt my eyes just sort of watering up there. So, uh, and like Dylan said, you know, Hey, I, I, I embrace, I love taking on that villain role for Phoenix fans that pay attention to us, follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcast. I have no problem with them hating me for the, the, the stuff I say about Phoenix soccer and all that. But like Dylan said, in the big picture, we're part of this group of fans that are committed and love a local soccer team, even though it's not like the top league and they're not 
players in the world. We still follow those teams. And so when someone, even if it's, you know, someone that supports your enemy team is going through something uh, really emotional, really um, difficult, it's time for everyone to just sort of, soccer is a game. Life is, is a totally different thing and life is way more important. So uh, I, I think I went out on Twitter and basically just said, although I love to harass Phoenix fans, it's still something that sucks. And um, just was hoping for the best and, and sort of glad, at least from what we're hearing right now, as we're recording this, that things are a little bit better than they were even 24 uh, hours ago. Alan, you have anything to, to add to all this? Um, I just think it speaks to not only the soccer community, but like Kevin himself, uh, he was extremely gracious to us when we came to Phoenix. Um, he's been extremely gracious on the podcast as well. Um, it just speaks to the soccer community in general. Um, I know it's, you know, in some communities it's small, it's niche in some areas, but I think it, when it, when it boils down to it, one of the things that attracted me to soccer was that overall sense of community. You can talk trash about each other's teams all you want, but deep down, you know, that you belong to this community that has the support all over the world uh, in a way that other sporting cultures maybe don't. And uh, it also speaks to that community of, you know, you, I was listening to the USL show with the um, out in the crowd and they were just talking about you, you walk into a, a bar and someone's wearing a obscure soccer kit. Uh, like Ryan was showing up with Queen Parks Rangers one today. And it's like, you just see that in a, a bar and all of a sudden you're like instantly friends. Uh, it reminds me a lot about the music community as well. It's, it's just super, it's, it's pretty welcoming compared to a lot of other cultures yeah, there's still some issues that we can delve into, but ultimately I think, you know, as much as that banter goes back and forth, I think when it boils down to it, um, you just belong to something a little bit bigger than yourself. And um, sorry, you hear my dog running around in the background. Um, and I think it's just, it, it does bring a tear to your eye sometimes just the outpouring of support for someone like Kevin uh, and his family in a, a time like this. Like I, I think I tweeted, I'm not crying. You're crying earlier. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it was just such an emotional thing to like, just cause you know, this guy, because you had a drink with him, uh, but you share something. Well, and I mean, he's, he's just been willing to come on our show multiple times, um, you know, and, and talk with us. And every time he's come on this show, I, I know he came on before you even were here, Alan, he's been awesome with us. I know Dylan can, can attest. Yeah. Attest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There he's we go. A great give me my, give me one. He's awesome. He's, always, he's super he's, nice. He's, he's understood this banter. He's understood that, you know, I'm not really this mean person. I just like to, hey, it's sports. I like to sort of talk a little bit of, of you know, trash. Extra. He likes to stir the pot. Um, but um, but he's he's an awesome guy. Uh, every time I've offered or I've asked him, does he want to join us? He's always been like, sure, let me get on. We'll, we'll join you. And it's not like he just comes and join us for like 10 minutes. He hangs out with us for a whole episode. And then even when we're done recording, we end up talking for like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes afterwards, just because, you know, there's this love for the sport and he's an awesome guy. So when I saw that, um, you know, it, yeah. So hoping that, you know, I know we've, we've gotten some good news. I'm hoping it continues to be great news uh, and we get a full recovery out of this because it's definitely uh uh, it was definitely hard to read and, and see that. And again, still at this point, wishes going out to, and, and good vibes going out to Kevin and his family uh, with uh, with Kate in there. 
Uh, anything else we want to talk about soccer related or, or USL related before we move on to our random fun at the end of each episode? I have a soccer team in San Diego. Oh, Alan, we got to talk about that, right? Well, you don't have one yet. While you guys are waiting for soccer in San Diego, there's a team in Orange County playing, apparently, per social media, uh, that are playing Tijuana. <laughs> um, let's talk about that briefly. USL soccer will be coming to San Diego, which is amazing news for Alan and a bunch of uh, how many people live in the San Diego area, Alan? Do you know off the top of your head? Something million, something. It's the eighth largest city in the United yeah. States. I think it's about people, six million in the metro. People, the people county. sort of, people sort of forget about. They always put San Diego as like the small market team, when in fact it's one of the top ten largest cities. Well, when you look at the market in general, and yet they don't have a professional basketball team. They don't have a professional hockey team. They don't have yet a professional soccer team. Well, I guess now they sort of do, but it's not really live yet. They don't have a NFL team. They only have baseball. They don't even have like, I mean, nothing against. That's a really low blow there, Ray. No, 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 no. But this is the thing is, is there's such a big market, but yet leagues don't want to put teams there for whatever reason, or they want to run away like, like the Chargers did. I, I know that's not the league. It's the, the ownership decided, hey, uh, we moved to LA, we value, and, and even in basketball, Donald Sterling said, Hey, if I move to LA, our value goes up like a million trillion dollars or whatever it is. But uh, it, it's, I, I'm glad to hear that San Diego is getting a soccer team. Uh, you know, the fans there need more than just Padres baseball. They, they deserve it. Uh, it's a good, good town. Um, you know, when the Chargers were there, the fans loved the Chargers until their ownership decided, Hey, by the way, we're leaving. Um, so, I mean, good for you guys, Alan, good for you and all the fans that'll be out there. Uh, hopefully you guys can, can pull in the numbers, support a team and, and show that you really deserve to have more than just a baseball and soccer team there in San Diego. Well, I'm sure we'll pull numbers better than like Bethlehem or Swill Park Rangers or, you know, Los Dos. Um, there's a really big soccer community down here. Uh, it's a big city, but it's really spread out as far as landmass. Um, and it's like Metro, it's like 30th or something. So it's, I can understand why, like maybe if you're 20 teams, 30 teams in a league, that's a national league that you might not want to put your team in San Diego, especially when there's an opening in LA, which is a bigger market. I get it. Uh, but LA sucks. So I don't get it. <laughs> um, I'm super stoked. I just, it just means that, uh, there's another team in the Southern California area that can build that soccer community up. Um, I think it, it all will also uh, increase the rivalry. It won't be a two team. So it'll give Orange County another team to uh, kind of fight against. Uh, it'll increase that San Diego, Orange County, LA thing. And I know Ray was talking a little bit of smack on San Diego, but at least teams in San Diego claim they're from San Diego instead of LA. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, to be fair, I am an Angels fan. I've been an Angels fan for life. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that whole thing. I mean, it was the original name. So, I mean, there's a little bit of sense to it. Uh, but I do think that this is good for not only the San Diego region, but I do think it's great for uh, soccer. I think it's great for USL. Uh, it's pretty much a done deal. Um, they have, they're going to be playing at Torero Stadium at USD. Beautiful campus. Uh, they've agreed with the university to, um, to expand the stadium to 8,000 seats. 
I don't know if that's happening the first year or not. Um, they're talking about this next season or the season after. And on the USL show, I mentioned if they can't do it right, right away, I would actually prefer them wait to the 2021 year. Just to make sure you're doing it right, putting a good product on the field. It's nothing worse than rushing it and having a bad product because people won't show up to a bad product. Uh, I think that ultimately 2021 is probably more likely uh, as far as my hope. But if it comes out in 2020, I'll be super ecstatic. And then I'll just have to look at the schedules and, uh, and see which games I'm going to live and which games I'm going to watch on uh, ESPN plus um, Orange County is you know the first non-U.S. national team that I really kind of felt a connection with um, personally, and um, I absolutely uh, love the experience that Orange County has given me. And uh, my intention is to continue to uh, work with you guys um, and be an Orange County supporter um, in the sense of uh, covering it and producing content for it and. Uh, podcasting with you guys and doing all that jazz. Uh, but, you know, when your team gets a, when your hometown gets a soccer team like 10, 15 minutes from where you live, you know, I'm definitely buying season tickets. I'm definitely going to go out as much as I can to see it in person. Uh, and I just want to see USL grow. I want to see local soccer grow. And, you know, the more success that Orange County has, the more success San Diego has, the better we all are going to be. Hey, and it's another spot for us to be able to travel to for a local away match. And then now, hey, by the way, Alan, since you sort of have been with us for a while, you're going to have like a good like 30, 40 people. You're going to have to like show a good time down in San Diego. We're going to be expecting you to be like the host of uh, showing us where to go for bars and and pre-match festivities and all that fun stuff. Just so you know. For sure. And I'm going to have to probably take like a sign up list for our guest room, which is currently <laughs> the podcast room. But I have a feeling that People are going to come in from out of town, and if they don't want to get a hotel room, I can make clear it with my wife first and definitely uh, <laughs> host some of our, our rival podcasts here. Uh, you know, maybe put bleach in their shampoo or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm excited Ooh. for uh, I'm excited for people coming into town for away matches. I'm excited to have a home team, um, and I'm excited for the rivalry that will build up between Orange County and San Diego inevitably. And, and another thing, and and I totally forgot all about this until you started talking about this. And and I, I think it was supposed to be last week. And then I, of course, forgot this week. There is a California cup that is sort of a fan supported cup for USL. This adds another team to the mix. And now instead of four teams, it's going to be five teams as long as all the teams are still around by the time San Diego joins the league. Uh, that's a Copa, Copa Califas, I believe. And, and I totally forgot all about it is we were going to have someone come on and actually talk about that. Uh, they reached out to us on our Instagram account and I totally forgot about it uh, either last week. I, I think it was last week we were supposed to have him on. So I'm going to reach back out to him. We'll get him on here. Uh, let him talk a little bit about what this cup is about. So that way uh, we can discuss that a little bit uh, going forward. Um, yeah. So congrats, Alan. Uh, Dylan, do you have anything to say with Alan finally getting a uh, uh, like hometown local soccer team? No, I'm just I'm like super excited um, because it'll be our second closest home game. And it's actually a place you want to go because Carson <laughs> totally freaking sucks and there's nothing to do around there. And oh, uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, whatever it's called now for sponsorship reasons, just isn't 
cool. It doesn't look nice, but uh, USD is just like super freaking beautiful and Torero Stadium is super freaking beautiful. So I'm like really excited to watch some good soccer in a beautiful stadium. Um, and San Diego is a beautiful city. I mean, I love that place so much. I wanted to go there for school, but I couldn't afford USD. And uh, unfortunately, I'm like Christian Duker, Aiden Quinn couldn't like you know wasn't gonna make the soccer team so any hope of an athletic scholarship was gonna work out for those of you who know me i'm dumb as hell so it's not like a uh, no academic scholarship wasn't gonna work out so um no i'm just really excited i love san diego i love going to san diego going there for soccer is just gonna make things so much better yeah i'm really thrilled oh i'm also thrilled that alan's still gonna stick around too because he's kind of nice He's uh he's it's been awesome to add a third bo- voice to the podcast and sort of a third person to help out with what we're doing on our website. Uh, Alan's been an awesome part of the growth of our written stuff. He's sort of been one of the big parts of that as far he's as really smart. <laughs> he is the kind of person you could trust to teach your kids. Uh, maybe Even if music. it's just something meaningless maybe music. like music. Maybe music, but. <laughs> I don't know about, you know, I, I don't know if I want to be teaching my kids other school subjects. Well, it's better than you teaching them English, right? Hey, I'd be an amazing English teacher. Let's just say that. Uh, he'd be amazingly a greater Englisher. Te- teaching person. Educator. Educator. Ray could rap. I'll give him that. I cannot rap. I cannot rap. Um, Saturday We'll, we'll we'll have to do this still we have to figure out a date i'll try and put things together and we'll have to do like an official like come join the podcast out for karaoke alan will have to just we'll force alan to drive all the way up from san diego to join stay us in our spare room alan and then you have a spare room i'll have to drive home yeah okay I have an air mattress we put in the living room, so. And that works um, too. Oh. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's a, a closer Costco, drive. It's a Costco air mattress, so it's a really. Oh, cool I'm moving room. in, Ray. Yes. Um, we've been going way longer than our normal episodes because we've had a lot to talk about. It's been fun. We were talking about beer. We've been talking about well, Portland, but that wasn't fun. We've been talking about the new signing, Tijuana, LA, the future hopes of this team over the next few matches seriousness with kevin and kaden uh and san diego getting a soccer team now we got to get to our random thoughts uh, I, hopefully none of your random thoughts were any of those topics fellas uh but let's get to this dylan i'll start with you today dylan what's your random thought all right um my random read a book or, it's actually a play this week so play. Oh. um no this is actually a great play i read it in high school and actually just read it again i know um, you're supposed to watch a play yeah, but you can read them too. It's two acts. It's like 101 pages with pretty big text and massive margins. So it's going you know, to take you like an hour, hour and a half to read maybe. Um, it's Fences by August Wilson. I think there was a movie actually made with, I want to say Viola Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. I'm going to look it up. Um, Alan's trying to beat you to it. Denzel Washington. I'm just oh, another person from Orange County yeah. who has never seen a black person in my life. Um, but Viola Davis was in it. So um, it's just a really great play. I'm sure the movie is probably really good too. Um, just something nice to think about and, you know, kind of remember that um, like we said earlier, 
we all actually have a lot in common with each other. Um, our backgrounds might be different and our lifestyles and our circumstances might be different, but I mean, like as humans, we're all pretty similar um, and kind of all up against the same thing. So it's really a great play. If you read it, I'm sure it's a great movie, though I can't recommend that without any, uh, without having seen it, but it won some good awards. So yeah, um, there's that. Other than that, um, I looked up uh, like Sholos merchandise when I was on their website a little bit earlier, and my God, it's so cheap. <laughs> I get they're out of season, so yeah, it's probably like the postseason stuff. But um, if you just want like a T-shirt with the club crest on it, it's like twenty-two dollars. Um, it's eleven fifteen right now. Like just crazy cheap stuff. That's that's super awesome. A little bit envious of that. Um, in some regards, but other than that, I think my final random thought is it's kind of cool to be somewhat more legitimately involved with the club in this weird um, hybrid way. Hybrid way where I'm uh, the quote-unquote new Chad, according to basically everyone I dealt with. Um, Except for people that don't know who Chad is. So, Yeah, I'm like the press guy now at the games while Chad's away doing really cool stuff. Um, so if you see me dressed up, Yes, Chad 2.0, according to Alan. That's pretty true. You see me dressed up. There's a reason now. Um, and I do own adult clothes. And I'm really sorry to everyone in the CLC for not being able to spend as much time as I normally do in the CLC. By the way, Dylan, you can get an Orange County Soccer Club t-shirt for 20 bucks with the logo on it. So I know. I'm wearing mine right now, and it's so faded because I've honestly I've probably worn this thing once a week for the last two years and just abused it constantly it's a great shirt can can definitely recommend it all right alan random thought uh my random thought is we just finished the netflix kind of drama series when they see us um if you have not checked that one out yet um it is pretty intense um it is a drama about the uh, exonerated five members of Central Park Five. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, like I said, it's it's pretty intense. Uh, it took us about a week to watch the four episodes. Um, it's pretty disturbing um, as far as the justice system and how it can railroad people into false confessions. Just because you confess to something doesn't mean you actually did it. Um, it's um, I think it's pretty much required. It should be required viewing for humanity. Um, if you, it, it was tough. There's an Oprah Winfrey special afterwards. It was like an hour special. So it's about five hours worth of time, uh, but it will take you a little while to get through uh, just for emotional purposes. Um, I do recommend it. Um, it was uh, pretty eye opening, uh, very emotional, uh, very troubling. Um, it wasn't because we were like bawling that we couldn't watch it. It was just because we couldn't take what it was about. Sorry, that's my vacuum cleaner going on in the background. Um, I do recommend it. It is pretty serious, uh, but I do think that it is uh, something that everyone should spend some time and get to know uh, what happened to those five uh, young gentlemen um, in New York. All right, and uh, really quick, just want to say quickly, not going to waste your time, uh, Orange County SC, we want those orange kits available to us to purchase as fans. 
make it happen somehow, some way, bring those orange kits uh, out so we can purchase those. Or at least can the three of us get them where it's like Ray and whatever number wants and then Dylan and whatever number I want and then Alan, whatever he wants. I'm stuck between the numbers 38 and 69, obviously. Obviously. Okay. Or I can go like the, like the Mexican side <laughs> thing and do like a triple number. So I get like 420 on there. I'm a freaking child, everyone. This is why you should never trust anything I say is because I'm just a freaking idiot. Like so, I'm some kid who somehow ended up on a podcast and some of you so, actually think I'm intelligent, but I just, so Orange County fans per Dylan, just make the orange kits available to us. The host of the orange and black soccer cast. No one else needs them, but I say, open it up to everyone club, make it happen. Bring those orange kit- kits out so we can have those. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very long episode of the podcast. I don't want to waste any more time for anyone. I'm going to cut Dylan and Alan off. No more talking, gentlemen. We're going to wrap things up here. I want to thank all the listeners that have been listening since day one. Thank you for doing so each and every episode. We appreciate. We know that you take time out of your day to listen to us, and we definitely do appreciate that. We'll keep doing this as long as you keep listening. If you're listening for the very first time, make sure you go back and look at some of our older episodes. You can find those on our website, ocscpodcast.com. You can listen to every single episode we've ever made right there. Um... Thanks to Beautiful Game Network for helping or letting us be a part of your big group of uh, soccer podcast. For anyone that loves soccer that's listening to us has never checked them out, go check them out. Uh, and you can listen to a bunch of other soccer podcasts. Um, thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, Golden Gold Press. Um, uh, anything else? Really quick, Dylan, your social media. How do they? How do people listen to you on social media or find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at OCSC underscore Dylan. You can find me on Reddit at slash U slash OCSC underscore Dylan. You can find the podcast on Reddit at, uh, sorry, slash U slash OCSC podcast. All but right. we never Al- reply. So just <laughs> don't actually. Alan, go for it. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Underwood 48 Perfect. And you can find me at uh, on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. You can find our Twitter for the podcast at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. I always forget that. Facebook, uh, Orange and Black SoccerCast. Uh, and like I said, our website, OCSCPodcast.com. Or if you want to, if you like typing, Orange and Black SoccerCast.com. Uh, for Alan, for Dylan, this is Ray. This is the Orange and Black SoccerCast. And we are out. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.